Welcome to Insight Flicks. This is a movie discussion and review podcast created by three brothers. My name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. And what we do, we try to get together on a weekly basis to talk about the movies we just watched. And from time to time, we also like to talk about the television shows we're watching. And we start things off with a little bit of news. And the first thing up, let's talk about Coming to America. They just released a new trailer. And part two, the sequel. The sequel. It's 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 coming to America, which is mm-hmm. a long-awaited sequel to Eddie Murphy's classic 1988 comedy. It's going to be distributed by Amazon Prime, and it's going to be released in March 5th. And um, after after more than 30 years, Eddie Murphy is back as the newly crowned King uh, uh, Akeem Joffer of Zamunda, and Arsenio Hall is back as well as his trusted confidant Sami. And this is directed by Donomite is my name, Helmer, Craig Brewer. And it stars a comedian, uh, Jermaine Flower. Yeah, I've seen him once or twice. That's about it. But on on a television show. Right. He's a a stand-up comedian. And he plays uh, Akeem's illegitimate American son who ends up reuniting with his long-lost father. And he learns that he's the next in line to the throne. Uh, Raymond, what's your thoughts on the, the new trailer here? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, classic comedies. And, uh, I, you know, if you go back and listen to our Dolomite is My Name episode, you know, we've you know, we been pretty hyped for this movie, you know, uh, since that movie came mm-hmm. out because of, you know, Eddie Murphy reteaming with um, Craig Brewer. And, you know, they released, a, I think, a teaser trailer was last month. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it was just a little teaser. It showed it showed all the characters are returning. Absolutely loved it. Got me hyped. Um, I was already excited, but you know, got me a little bit more excited. This full trailer comes out, and I'm not excited for the movie anymore. Yeah, it did sort of deflate um, the the excitement for me all as well, but not that much. I mean, I, um, I I know that Amazon's uh, creative team on trailers are horrible because they also did a horrible. Uh, uh, you know, job on uh, one night in Miami too. So, um, you mean the trailer? It, the trailer? Yeah, for, the trailer company, mm-hmm. whatever, whoever they choose. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping for the best. I mean, but yeah, it, it's not like I'm not going to watch it. I mean, it's yeah, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm getting bad comedy sequel vibes from it, and I'm worried that it's just going to be like another uh, Nutty Professor Two, The Clumps. <laughs> yeah, it does have a, a more of a television look to it to me, also. Yeah. Well, this is also written by Blackish creator Kenya Barris, and he, you know, he's a hit, little bit of hit and miss. I mean, he, when he hits, it's like he's very funny, but a lot of times he's also very sitcom comedy type, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially when we we see like Leslie Jones as uh, uh, as the mother, as the the the, the mother of the. Yeah, origin. I'm also not really liking the son, oh. which is like. Uh, well, I, we're all we also only see these characters for a couple seconds. We should, you know, make that clear, right? But I'm I'm not really digging it from what I'm what I'm seeing, like the American side of the family. It's because they feel a little more cartoonish in their portrayal. It, of I don't the, think it's that. I don't think it's that. It's just I don't think um, it's just not it's just not working for me. I'm not buying it. Uh, it's I well, for, first of all, nothing made me laugh in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I didn't laugh. I certainly prefer the first uh, trailer, which was a bunch the of one with no jokes. The, well, it was a bunch <laughs> At of the the, end, yeah. Was well, no, it was a bunch of uh, uh, cameos of the characters coming back, right? And some of the new cast, and some of the new cast. But we didn't. Uh, th- this one is more, more revealing of the story and about how mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Murphy has to go back to New York 
to to reunite with his long lost son. And uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm glad I'm, that the movie's not repeating itself, though. I mean, it looks like it's a a, a different story. I, I had a feeling that he was going to be back in America like the entire film. Mm. And it, it looks like you know they 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 get his son pretty early on. Um, so that's that's cool. The one thing I might that might win the movie is Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that might be the one, and he plays a general in the, in Zamunda, and it seems like he might be looking to overthrow the the, yeah, the kingdom. Yeah, they're they're doing a whole Wakanda thing, so yeah, it's... yeah. But, so he might be he might be the one that really saves this movie. So well, anyway, we're, we're definitely we're all going to watch this when it comes out on March fifth on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, another big news was that Black Panther director Ryan Coogler has just signed a five-year deal with Disney. And as part of this deal, Coogler is in development to make a new television series based on the kingdom of Wakanda, speaking of Wakanda, <laughs> for Disney+. Plus. And uh, this is apparently going to be a kind of whole separate universe, maybe? I don't know. Uh, what's your thoughts, anyone? Uh, I'm I'm excited for it. I mean, one of the best things about about Wakanda about uh, Black Panther was the supporting cast. So just having a TV show that's going to you know explore the supporting cast a bit more, is, or at least that's what I'm assuming it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that that sounds awesome to me. And what I'm more curious about is what what else is in in this you know five year deal is what other Disney Plus shows is going to be de- developing. Is it going to be making like a um, like, is it all going to be Wakanda related or is it going to be like other superheroes? So is it just a five-year contract or is it like uh, five uh, new shows or something like that it's as a, well? According to the news, is a five-year contract, but it's not necessarily going to be just Wakanda or just uh, dealing with Black Panther. The first project is definitely going to be this series set in Wakanda. And we don't know what what that is going to entail, but I'm assuming they're going to build up this kind of universe or this separate universe aside from uh, the Marvel universe, where you know the characters in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Well, what other characters do you guys think he would work? He would he could potentially be working with? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it could be uh, other tribes in Wakanda. Who knows? Uh, I think there's a lot of fans of Black Panther who are not necessarily Marvel fans. They just went to see Black Panther and became fans of just the Black Panther universe. So I think sure. they could ride that uh, wave of, of enthusiasm from from the, these fans. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's her name? It's going to be off The Walking Dead soon. So so she could come back also. Um, um, uh, Michonne, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Let's get to our next topic, which is... Um, uh, Warner Brothers is developing a Harry Potter series for HBO Max. Anyone interested in this? Is this, this is something that excites you, Rich? Nope. <laughs> uh, but yeah, personally, well, uh, oh, go ahead, Raymond. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the Harry Potter movies, so uh, I'm curious of what this could potentially be. Because, well, I I didn't like the Fantastic Beast movies, so yeah, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I'm interested. I'm, I mean, what do you guys think it's going to be? I think it's going to be. Uh, it has to be about the kids, you know, in 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 wizard world. Oh, so do you think it's going to be basically based on that that book that new, that book that oh, came out a few years ago? I don't know if it's going to be based on anything specifically, but I, I think it has to be something about the school, wizard school, Diagon Alley, or whatever. I think that's the that's. I think people want to see that. I think they're trying. You know, I don't think it's going to be more like. I don't think it's going to be like Fantastic Beasts, where it's mainly adults. I think it's going to be more trying to get 
the fans of the original series of the books and the movies get them to watch this with their kids and i think it's going to be think it's with new characters or most likely yes i mean that's my my feeling and they'll probably have um the ori original characters like for like some uh they'll try to do their mandalorian cameo <laughs> oh right yeah yeah, right, yeah. yeah def definitely but uh um yeah, for me, I, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, and I, in fact, I didn't finish the film series. I, 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 I didn't see the last three movies. They got better at the end. Did it really? Because everyone talks about how well, I, I, I thought got, the movies it, were hit and miss. Yeah, it got more dramatic. So, but everyone talks about a, how Alfonso Cuarón's one, uh, yeah, what, part the, three or part four or whatever. Well, it's because that one was like a complete like reinvention of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, but everyone says that that was the best one of the series, and I didn't really particularly like that one. And so I don't have no really kind of you know urge to to complete the series. I mean, uh, maybe one well, day. Well, it's the I one that it's the one that was grown up compared to the first two. So mm -hmm. it's it's just just you know made everybody go, oh, this could be something. You know, this is this well, is not I, just for kids. Whatever. I do I, I do agree that this is actually a smart move for Warner's to to do this Harry Potter series for the HBO Max because I think uh, that's what HBO Max needs some original content and this is. Certainly, a very still a very popular uh, franchise. So yeah, I think fandom, it's smart. The, the fandom is not dead on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. All right, so let's get to our next one. This is the uh, next topic. Um, Viggo Mortensen has teased that he might re reunite with filmmaker David Cronenberg. This would be his fourth uh, yeah. collaboration. Uh, he has said that uh, in a, he's promoting his film Falling. Falling. Yeah. Is it called Falling? And uh, um, which is out now, I believe. And uh, he said in an interview that he has uh, talked with Cronenberg uh, about collaborating. And Cronenberg has this is a project that he wrote a long time ago, but never got made. And he he has come back to it. He has re uh, rewrote it, and he wants to shoot it this summer. So, what do you guys think about a possible reunion between Viggo Mortensen and uh, David Cronenberg? Yeah, I thought I thought their uh, his first two movies together, um, History of Violence and uh, Eastern Provinces, were were you know back to back the back Cronenberg's uh, best best work to you know since The Fly. So mm -hmm. um, so I'm all for it. I mean, uh, well, what's your thoughts about about Cronenberg going back to his roots? Uh, yeah, body yeah. horror stuff here. That's, that's what I'm assuming. He oh yeah, I mean this is this is great news. I'm. I even if it was just another another drama like um, the, his previous collaboration uh, with Vigo, that would still be great to me. But I'm really excited that he's going back to his roots because that's those are my favorite movies of his. And um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for uh, Vigo doing some of that that stuff too. When they started collaborating, it was like more in, uh, in that kind of that time when Cronenberg started to make kind of more more dramatic films. And if he's going back to that kind of uh, body horror stuff, I mean, that's, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was really it, it, impressed by like, his son's work, uh, Brandon. Is it Cronenberg? Yeah, I mean, so Processor, the, his latest film. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah, seen that one yet. Processor is <laughs> awesome. If you're yeah. a body horror fan, that's a great movie. Uh, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Cronenberg is definitely a person who has grown up into a mature filmmaker himself. And Possessor, I thought, was a very, very good film. Um, just to just to add to the David Cronenberg coming back to his roots, and now hopefully this is a body horror type of movie. But they I, said it was going to be a, a bit of a, a noir film. Film mm -hmm. noir. 
but that could mean a lot of, a lot of things. But um, what I think about Cronenberg's, you know, he comes from this dip, from this class of filmmakers of like James Cameron, John Landis, and mm-hmm. uh, Joe Dante, and other directors of that ilk. And I I find Cronenberg like the more mature person. His horror films though were were extremely mature and had like a lot of layers to it. Like Videodrome's not Videodrome's not like some dumb eighties horror film. No, no, it's not. No, not at all. Yeah, it's yeah. out there. Yeah, oh, I'm just saying I'm, I'm excited about this 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 project of him going back, possibly a horror or even a film noir, of him being such an older person now. And bringing that maturity, more yeah. even more maturity than he was before. Oh yeah, that is true. I wonder, but I wonder if it's also going to be something maybe like um, C- Cosmopolitan, the movie he did with Robert Pattinson, uh, like about ten years ago. Maybe. And I like that film as well, but um, it seemed like that was kind of him going back to his roots and sci-fi. Uh, I don't know if it quite got there a hundred percent, but it was it was an admirable swing. <laughs> Yeah, so when uh, also Pattinson's uh, career took a, uh, you know, a sway from the uh, teeny yeah, bop, teeny bop uh, films with that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, um, you know, Vigo is able to keep his clothes on for uh, this one. <laughs> we talk about. I need another uh, bathroom shower, where <laughs> yeah, he, a naked yeah. bathroom shower where he fights a, a whole bunch of uh, Russian dudes. That would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome scene. Though. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I, I go, man, that guy could hurt him, hurt himself <laughs> in the nuts. <laughs> um, let's get to our next topic, which is uh, multiple movie developments are coming out, and it's all going to be focused on the GameStop Reddit stock trading uh, scandal. Uh, Warner Brothers is, uh, or the Warner Media Network is developing a scripted film feature with. That's going to be produced by Jason Bloom. It's also going to be produced by uh, producer and writer and financial journalist Andrew Ross Sorkin. He is also a co-creator of Billions, the series from Showtime. Mm. Netflix is also developing a film about the same subject (laughs) with Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker writer Mark Bold. And attached to star is Noah Centineo, or Centino, who is uh, apparently going to be... A stock trader, maybe, and and another project, MGM, had just bought the rights to the yet to be uh, published investigative book, The Anti-Social Network, by Ben Mesrick, who also wrote The Accidental Billionaires, which was turned into the 2010 film The Social Network. He also wrote Bringing Down the House, which became the 2008 film 21. And oh, then, uh, not not the Queen Latifah one. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then there's a fourth project, uh, Jamie. Rogo Zinsky, who is the founder of the Reddit subforum Wall Street Bets, he sold his life story to Rat Pack Entertainment. So that's going to possibly be kind of a film also. And of course, this is a story about the group of amateur internet investors who took one of the biggest Wall Street finance companies, uh, <laughs> launching a revolution that, that has threatened the Wall Street establishment. And uh, this was a big story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, that that GameStop trading, which also included uh, AMC, and uh, it's still developing. Uh, guys, what's your what's your what's your thoughts on these movie developments? Okay, uh, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I hope one of these movies uh, ends up being uh, like you know the next 
uh, The Big Short or Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think with the right uh, with the right team, um, it, that that could definitely happen. Uh, the one that's going to start Noah Centino, I I doubt it's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe um, some of these developments feels like it's they're trying to do the next Wolf of Wall Street and boiler um, boiler room or boiler yeah boiler room or but the 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 the, the anti social network book might possibly be a. Uh, a really investigation of the whole whole trading s- scandal thing that happened, I, which I don't know much about. I mean, I'm not I'm not part of that that world, but it was a great. I, <laughs> I mean, when I read the story, I was like, "Oh, that's so interesting that 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 uh, this, this this group on the internet investors took down you know a big. Yeah, they figured they figured out the system, and they said. Yeah, they were working the system against against establishment, and I th- I just love that idea. Personally, I would love to hear a a, a big short sequel because apparently Michael Berry, who was mm-hmm. the Christian Bale character in the Big Short, the the real guy, uh, made two hundred seventy million dollars on betting on on the GameStop, and that was one of the biggest uh, f- successes of this whole story so far. Mm. I think that'd be more like uh, something that they'll mentioned because there's going to be a lot of cameos in in this movie um and or in in one of them at least mm-hmm. i think uh legal there, there, there was like a lot of uh le- legal issues like uh, the, the robin hood app right um yeah like they're they're, they're, they're gonna get a there it seems like they're gonna get a bunch of lawsuits and like i mean i mean a bunch of people online they commented on it like including like elizabeth warren and um uh AO, aoc and mm-hmm. um uh, Mark Cuban, <laughs> and uh, I, so I just I I don't I don't think things are you know I I think it's still very much an, an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, of course, you know, development deals doesn't necessarily result into a, a feature film. This just doesn't really mean that uh, we will see a movie soon. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's going it's going to take a long time. Yeah. And and yeah, some of these are probably won't happen. I'm sure there're going to be mu- multiple documentaries made about this this thing that happened here with uh, GameStop. And uh, that's most likely be the first thing that we see from this from this particular and, story. And from my understanding like it it sounds like AM AMC was able to like save themselves to like, get out of bankruptcy. That's what they heard. That's why I said, but then the stock went down eventually, right? So, but I they're know. but they're saying that like uh the 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 company that um that AMC was in debt to, mm-hmm. they oh. like ended up selling like all their all their bonds. They oh. converted, they oh, converted really? it to stock, and now all that debt that AMC was in is like completely gone. Oh, mm. so and and AMC saying they're good until the end of the year. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I don't know much about how this thing works. All I know it's all, it's all casino gambling. <laughs> you know, it's all kind of BS. It's all kind of like Vegas stuff, and uh, uh, it, it, it should be right. Re- I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pro regulate Wall Street kind of guy. And, and by the fact, I, I recently saw Big Short because when I heard the story, you haven't I go, seen it before. No, I saw it. I saw it, but I haven't seen it for for ages. Oh, okay, and okay. when I when I heard the story, I go, I need to see Big Short, and I saw mm-hmm. it, and that that movie is amazing. It is. I didn't give it as much credit when it came out. I I liked it when it came out, but when I we saw it, uh, man, that's a that's a classic. Um, 
All right, let's get into another big news story that came out this past week was the Golden Globe nominations. And, I, you know, the, I'm just going to go real quick because uh, the, the, the spend, we'll spend too much time just yeah. talking about every category. I don't want to do that. But, you know, people were kind of complaining about this this year's uh, nominations. And, uh, you know, I went through it. And it's about what do you expect? I I didn't find it all that kind of weird. I mean, yes, there's some really strange nominations. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Mank leads the nominations on the film side with six nominations. The Crown also tops the TV nominations with six nods. And other top nominees includes the films The Trial of Chicago Seven with five nominations. And The Father and No Man's Land and also Promising Young Woman also has four apiece. On TV side, uh, Schitt's Creek was one of the top TV series. It earned five nominations, while Ozark and The Undoing landed four nominations. So it's a, this is, again, this is what I kind of expected. Personally, I'm not a big fan of The Trial of uh, Chicago 7. I don't know why that has so many nominations. I was disappointed by it as well, but well, I understand why it has a lot of nominations. I, I don't understand how Al Pacino got nominated for Hunters. One of the worst that series. I don't understand as well. <laughs> well. Let's get into that. So here's some of the things that made my head scratch. Al Pacino, best actor for a TV series for Hunters. That is a horrible performance. That's Al Pacino doing Al Pacino doing a Jewish man. <laughs> I, I don't understand why yeah. that was nominated. Um... But it, the biggest what the hell I mean is is Jared Leto. Jared Leto for the little for the little things is best supporting actor. Um, right, that's the big and also what's interesting he got a SAG nomination as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I think did, did people watch the movie. Well, Raymond uh, is a fan of Jared Leto's performance in that movie. <laughs> did you vote it for Golden Nose? You the love Golden? that pil no. pillow gut. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good in the movie. Maybe not award worthy but i mean it's the golden globes i mean what do you expect well I, for me i i think i think delroy lindo for Del five bloods should have been nominated yeah, definitely uh, e either for supporting or for best actor i don't know for supporting i think uh glenn turman for ma ma rainey's black bottom should have been recognized or even coleman domingo for the same movie should have been recognized uh i mean compared to jerry leto <laughs> they should have been nominated i am Happy that um, that Ethan Hawke got a nomination. Yeah, for Good Lord Bird, that was probably one of his best performance ever. I'm really happy that Regina King got nominated for for best director for One Night in Miami. Definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, Maria Barkalova for Barret sequel. I was actually pretty happy that she got nominated. Uh, Amanda said free for Mank. I, she's probably one of the best things about Mank. Uh, I, I'm happy that she got nominated. And jo uh, John Boyega for Small Acts, uh, the episode Red, White, and Blue. I thought this is one of his best performance ever. Yeah. Ever. And I'm, I'm, it's strange that he is getting a Best Supporting Actor nod, but I, I'm glad that, that he yeah. was recognized. And uh, that's about it. Um, no, the, 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 the one that I was really uh, disappointed by well, I, I I totally expected Ozark to get nominated, but Tom Pelfrey, who played a um, the know, brother, the brother on this season, uh, Lorna Linney's brother. Yeah, I, I mean his performance in the whole on, on that whole season was phenomenal, and I really hoped he got some recognition for it. But yeah, he deserves more recognition for that role, and he he deserves to be in the in the running for uh, Mr. Fantastic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, that was it for Golden Globes. Uh, um, let's get into Sundance. Sun- Sundance just wrapped up their festival this week, and uh, they announced their winners. Uh, really, really quick, uh, main top film that, uh, that won both the Grand Jury Prize and the Audience Award was CODA. And CODA is an acronym for Children of Deaf Adults. So, so this is a movie about a young girl who is the only hearing person in her deaf family. She is uh, dreams of becoming a singer, but that comes in conflict with her family, who runs a fishing business. It stars Emily Jones, a British actress from the Netflix series Lock and Key. She is the main star. Also playing her mother is Oscar winner and legendary deaf actress Marley Matlin. And uh, again, this is a, a, one of the big films that came out this year. Uh, on the documentary side, we got Summer of Soul. And this is another big winner. This won the Grand Jury Prize and Audience Award. This is a documentary that features never-before-seen concert footage from the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. And this is directed by Questlove, the drummer from The Roots. And this is his directorial debut. The film features uh, performances by Stevie Wonder, Nia Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, and others. The story behind this documentary is that the footage was locked away in a basement for 50 years, and it was just rediscovered. And uh, it got picked up by Searchlight and Hulu. Oh, I should mention that Coda, <laughs> Coda was picked up by Apple for $25 million. It was the highest uh, sum ever for a Sundance film. So that's it for news. Unless you want to add something else real quick. Christopher Plummer. Oh, yeah. Christopher Plummer. The passing of the great Christopher Plummer. Um, Just really quick, what's some of the memories of Christopher Plummer for you, Rich? Of course, Star Trek and the Undiscovered Country, but... Uh, I, I, I never. <laughs> That's I never wait, wait, when you think of Christopher Plummer, it's uh, the the first memory is Star Trek Undiscovered Country. You got a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> not Dolores Claiborne. Not uh, you know uh, some yeah, of the, not sound, uh, sound of Music. Not uh, uh, I never uh, saw Sound of Music, but I never grew up with it. So uh, <laughs> not some of his more prestigious films. Uh, you mean like Knives Out? I mean no. I mean <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, every time I, I seen I seen him in screen, I go, wow, like, like he 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 lights it up. Anytime I see him on, on screen, I go, this this guy is fantastic. He's a you know he's one of those great uh, theater actors who you know obviously has a theater background. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hundred percent believable every time he says something. You know, he's one of those rare actors who just whatever line it is, you believe it. Uh, Raymond, yeah. you want to say anything about Christopher Plummer? Yeah, I mean, this was really kind of unexpected from from myself i mean because i mean i think his last movie was knives out right yeah and he he seems so like on point in that movie like it is this really kind of caught me off guard i mean it it it, it sucks but you know he's been he's been he's worked a long time he's had a lot of great roles yeah uh so that ends the news section let's get into what we saw this week wanda all right, let's get into it. Wanda's episode. I don't even know what episode it was. What is it? Five. Episode five. What's it called? You know? Halfway through. All right, episode five. Halfway through. Um, <laughs> no, no. Is no, that halfway, halfway through, through the series? Oh. Halfway through the series. Oh, what's it? We're halfway, we're halfway through the series. Oh, I don't know what it's called. Okay. It's called On a Very Special Episode. I'll, I'll start. I'll just start by saying that I, I, I found this being very, very frustrated by it. Didn't really like it. 
Uh, I'm shocked. Really? Yeah, I didn't didn't like it that much. I was actually very fed I, up by it. I thought this is the. I think this is the best episode of the series. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Uh, you you mentioned that earlier, and I, I I just I just didn't. I was kind of just frustrated by the whole thing because they went back to this whole kind of idea that Wanda's stuck in this you know fictional sitcom world, and um, well, I mean she's she's. But the, it seems like that even the, the 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 parodies of this sitcom world is getting worse and worse and worse. I didn't I didn't even feel the parodies anymore because it's it's so interlaced with the storyline and every single thing it, that was parodied is set up for future episodes or like setting up or adding to the current storyline. Like every single every single thing it, that happened in the episode, even in the sitcom world was to adding to the plot I, maybe you maybe that's right but i at this, at this point at, at episode five i just was just i'm just tired of it and i, I don't really I, I don't really care about wanda I, at this point i don't care about wanda i don't care about vision i don't care about these characters i'm not getting a grasp about of why they're here or, or I feel like this is pointless that's the, that's that's the thing i, I i'm getting a, a, the that's why i feel and um, I feel that this now I 100% believe that this, just like what Raymond has been saying, this should have been released all with all the episodes at once. Rich, what's your what's your thoughts? It was just another continuation of the last episode, which was good. Uh, I mean, compared to the first three, whatever. But yeah, I mean, um, there's got to be something at the end. So I'm going through it. But yeah, of course. I mean, it's just another meh. I mean, at the the the, the reveal at the end is that I I knew it was coming. So because it, the episode left with this kind of um, I guess I don't know guest appearance and um, didn't I didn't see it coming, but I heard rumors about this stuff. I heard you know a lot of plot lines in this movie or the series has been leaked online, and that's why I don't like the this being released weekly because i'm getting you know bombarded by these these rumors well to to be fair a lot of these leaks have been online for a long time i mean look at all the leaks are online for spider-man 3 and i guarantee you most of them are true (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's gonna ruin the movie for me but i there was okay there was this and maybe this this is the reason why i hate this this whole thing now there was a uh, a rumor that came out earlier this week and I, i'm not going to mention what it said uh, i and and when i heard the rumor right it's not I'm like completely i completely avoiding every every rumor and everything that's going on well, the it, show right now it's, it's hard it's hard how it, consistent they are well i'm not see i'm not even reading the rumors i'm just reading it's on the headlines so mm-hmm. as soon as I see the headlines, I'm going, what the hell is this all about? And, and, and it's on Twitter, it's on YouTube. It's like, you have to like really shut down your, your laptop to, to avoid these rumors. And the the thing is like, this thing is coming out. This, this rumor came out and I go, when I heard this, I go, that is so BS. That doesn't make any sense. That's so stupid. That's just clickbait. And then when I saw this episode and specifically the end of this episode, I go, well, there's some validity to that. And I go, why ruin this, the surprise? Why am I watching this? And who's leaking this stuff out? Well, it, but, but just cause you know, but just cause you know that, that, that a certain person is going to appear ex- defending it for myself, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily ruin it. Cause I want to know how, He's going to appear. How this character is going to work into the storyline and what it what it means. And that's, 
And it, that's mm. kind of the that's kind of the point. And at this point, it's the things are still a mystery at, at this point, even at uh, midway of the season, uh, which makes sense. So. You know, there should be some things should be left as a mystery. But I, I just like I said, I just don't I don't care anymore. I really got to a point where I don't care about this uh, series. And, uh, um, you know, like, I mean, look, it, everything could change next episode or next couple of episodes. But at this point, I just really don't care anymore. That's why I, I would. Uh, that's why I hundred percent agree with you. I think this should have been uh, released all at once. Well, actually, I'm actually starting to, to like the week to week format because <laughs> I, I I I think there there's a lot to talk about in every episode. I think there's a lot laying out. I think there's a lot of setup, and I'm I'm having fun kind of just uh, talking about like not with you guys, but talking with other people <laughs> about how it it's going to connect with Spider Man three and uh, yeah. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying the things that they're adapting from uh, certain uh, comic storylines, how they're changing it up, how they're mixing it up, and yeah, I'm having fun with it. Oh, anyway, which, what, 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 you're in for the ride. What, what, what's your thoughts? So you want to add anything more? Uh, no. I mean, yeah, this is this is how it is. They're gonna go back and forth. So it's going to be back and forth. Are you ex- uh, Wanda's vision and Shield? Are you excited for or ep- Sword? Are you excited for the next uh, next episode, though? Am I excited? Excited? No. Okay. <laughs> well, there's got to be something at the very end that I'm, I'll be excited for. It better be worth it at the end. I don't think. See, that's the thing. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's going to be these little cameos, and this is really going to be a pointless series. That's that's my feeling, or that's my fear. It's just this is all just. Pointless series were just filled with cameos just to excite the base. That's what it, this this series feels like, and that's why I'm so frustrated with it. Well, I'm definitely not in for. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not in for doing so much fleshing out of everything, and it's 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 even going back to storylines that I thought they had completely abandoned. Uh, no, well, I don't feel that way. I think I feel like this is just all kind of just. I think this is a clickbait type of show. Mm. I don't agree with that. I think you could say literally anything Marvel does is clickbait. In fact, you could maybe even say at this point anything Disney does, period, is going to be clickbait. And you know what? I probably would agree with that. I mean, I probably would say that too. You know, uh, I don't think that I don't think that has anything to do with the actual product. I think that's just more the like the internet and knowing that it's going sure, to sure react to the it. The internet doesn't help. This you know the, of the of the theories and in the in the in the spoiler leaks or whatever doesn't help watching this series, which is sad because I should be able to at least go on you know because I'm not clicking on any news article. I'm seeing just the headlines and I'm seeing these thumbnails on on YouTube and it's ruining the experience for me of watching this show on a week to week basis. I go on the basis. internet and YouTube all, all every day and I don't see these things. <laughs> it's I, I I don't know what to say. I I whatever. I mean, I just and like I said, I I'm not clicking anything. Though I though I will say though I did watch um the last episode of WandaVision. I did watch it like it, pretty much right when it jumped online, right when it showed up on Disney Plus. But um, I, I did see like the next morning there was like spoilers for it all over online. Yeah, yeah. For the current episode. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen any spoilers for like next week's episode. I've seen a lot of speculation. Sure, sure. And I, uh, but that's the thing is nothing concrete. But nothing, the, no leaks. The, I, at least not. I haven't seen any. The thing. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. The thing is. It, these speculations are turning out to be true. Well, who cares? That's part of fun, right? 
not really. I mean, uh, not if I'm not looking for them. You know what I mean? I'm not looking I, for. I, them. I I've been I've been I've been looking for things to the whole show, and some of them have been right, some of them have been wrong. But I, I've been having fun with it. Well, the thing is, they they did a. I'll say this: they did a way better job with Mandalorian. Uh, no one really speculated on a lot of the, the surprises that happened in Mandalorian. But I, you know, I heard that. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Olsen has come out and said, you know, there's going to be a mega surprise in this episode. Go watch, you know. That's, that's, and that's not that's not that's not true. It it's it was more like the the interviewer. It was the interviewer's wording. Well, they they just asked her if uh, she just said that there's going to be there's there's a lot of surprises. Okay, sure. That's all she said. Okay, good. That's all good. she said. Okay, good, good, good. It's just you know you know pe- pe- you know people always are going to reword stuff and try to you know. Sure. Bait what what she said. Sure, and I I love the fact that in the Mandalorian, no one did interviews. But dude, all those Mandalorian leaks were online for a long time. I I I knew about the Luke thing for so long. I just didn't believe it. <laughs> well, I just didn't believe it. I'm sure Richard saw it too. I I just didn't think it was true. Yeah, that's true. No, well, you know, like I did hear that Rosario Dawson's come was going to appear in the Mandalorian thing. The thing is, when she well, that was confirmed, right? That right, was like confirmed. And the thing is that when she did show up, it was the best episode of that that season. Um, I'm not getting the same kind of satisfaction when I see these cameos or these 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 you know surprises. I'm not just getting the same satisfaction. I'm tired. I'm. I, I was just always tired of this uh, trip through nostalgia shit, and uh, it's just a, a a ploy at this point. And I just hate going back to it, back and forth. That's well, all. I mean, yeah. Here comes the nineties. Here comes the nineties. Next one. I don't know. I think this. I think this next one's going to combine nineties and two thousands. Then, then we should be all. We should hopefully done by it by this. Yeah, I think I think we will be done with it by the by the final two episodes. I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, all right. That was our um, take on uh, WandaVision episode. <laughs> I forgot what episode it was. Episode five. Um, all right. So let's get to the the one film that we saw. We all saw this week. It's a Netflix original film, Malcolm and Marie. All right. This is a two person drama that stars John David Washington. He's from Tenet and Black Klansman. And it also stars recent Emmy winner Zendaya. She's from uh, Euphoria in the Spider-Man films. The story is about Malcolm, a critically admired filmmaker who's forced to re-examine his relationship with his long-term girlfriend, Marie, played by Zendaya. This is also written and directed by Sam uh, Levinson. He is the creator of Euphoria. He also wrote and directed Assassination Nation. He's also the son of Barry Levinson. And, uh... This is all I should mention. This was the one, the first, or maybe, maybe, maybe the first film to be shot during the COVID nineteen lockdown. Uh, production started way back in June of last year. This is basically a movie that shot in one location, and it was this beautiful house in I don't know where Malibu or whatever it was. And the cast and crew was following strict COVID nineteen safety protocols, and they were they self quarantined themselves for two weeks before shooting, and uh, they were kind of just stuck in this house for almost a month. So, very interesting uh, uh, story about the making of this movie. Um, I'll start off with some positives because uh, I think this movie is a. a a beautiful looking movie. It's it's a gorgeous movie, really. I think I love how it was shot. It was shot in very you know it's it's, it's this black and white film. It's uh, shot very stark, rich blacks. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, I, I preferred this black and white look than say something like Mank, which which to me looked very muddy and cloudy. 
But yeah, uh, but Mank was also kind of going for a different type of look. Also, uh, say. this is going for more like French New Wave. Right. This is the Mank was more of the films of the forties, but um, yeah. But uh, uh, so yes. But I was very very impressed by the work of Hungarian cinematographer um, Marcel Rev or Reeve. Mm. Uh, who also does the Euphoria series? And it's beautiful work. It's oh, just it's okay. be- it's really yeah. beautiful. And uh, but that's it for my positives. <laughs> I, uh, everything else is kind of uh, negative. I, I I found this movie to be very vapid and empty, mm-hmm. trivial at times. I mean, in the sense that there's nothing really important or profound that they were trying to say here. And uh, um, there were times where I found myself being engaged by these performances by uh, Zendaya and uh, John David Washington, but um, they would lose me. Though. They would lose me a lot of times, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's because these arguments are just repeating themselves over and over yes. again, and there's no really point to it. Ultimately, nope. ultimately, I just found these characters to be very super narcissistic and just horrible, horrible to be around with. I, I, I like, I'm asking myself, why am I spending like two hours with these people and uh mm-hmm. but i do i do i do like parts of it but not enough to really recommend it and not really enough to really like the movie at all i mean it's it's a uh, well what's your thoughts uh raymond what's your thoughts i, I was very underwhelmed by this because um well i mean i'm not familiar with uh sam levinson or zendaya's dramatic work mm-hmm uh, I, I was very curious about this because you know everyone always talks about euphoria what a great show it is. I never gave it a chance. And I was really kind of hoping, you know, that this movie would kind of make me see why. And I, I mean, I agree with Mike, the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. So, I mean, maybe that's, a, I mean, if it's the same cinematographer of Euphoria, maybe that's a big part of the reason why people love that show. But I, the, I like, like Mike was saying, this is just, this is a completely empty movie. And I gotta say, I. I was very underwhelmed by by both of the performances in this movie. Uh, I do think they're good at times. Yeah. But just at times, and um, like they care, they have they're the only actors in the movie. I mean, they have to carry the whole thing, and they didn't have me. They didn't have my attention the whole time. This was a very boring movie. Uh, it's it's beautiful to look at, like Michael was saying, but I, man, I really was trying to give this movie a shot. Like I was trying to get into, I was listening to conversations, trying to get into the movie. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't agree with that into it. But like, I think around the 30 minute mark, I was just, I just like kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, this movie is completely soulless, completely empty. There, there's nothing to it. And it kind of just got worse as it progressed. Um, but Zendaya does have a lot of shining moments. Um, I think her like she's really good during her bathtub scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think there's a lot of scenes where she's really bad. Also, <laughs> it's know. a tough. It's a tough script. To, I mean, that's a pretentious dialogue. That it's a pretentious script. It's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a temp, you know, they're, they're, it's horrible. It's just a bad script, I think, or at least or a very yeah, this pompous. Is a, this is an atrocious script. I, yeah, I would not be surprised if this script was written like in the, in the day because this was a quarantine movie. Right, it was. Yeah, a day. No, I was going to say maybe part of it was improvised, but the movie feels so scripted also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rich, what's your thoughts? To the point that it ruins the performances, I think, because I think the actors are kind of miscast also. 
I did not buy I did not buy John David Washington as this filmmaker for a second. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent agree. Rich, what's your thoughts on on this movie? Uh, no, I agree with Mike about the cinematography, and uh, I agree with Raymond about the uh, the um, the acting wise, and uh, uh, I too was disappointed by this film. But again, I wasn't expecting much from the trailer, uh, watching the trailer. Uh, but uh, I was more expecting better things from uh, Levinson. <laughs> so, uh, but there were some good acting pieces. But by the end, by by actually by the middle, by I, I was like going, if I was these guys' neighbors, I'd be going, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, <laughs> I'm trying to sleep here, goddamn it. What's and, with all the music? John David watching? No, yeah, John David punching the air. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, like screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> outside with a with a patio door open. That's true. Like yeah. I was going, you know, eating macaroni and cheese like a <laughs> man. I mean, that's going to become a meme, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, uh, by the end, I really didn't care about either of them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I kind of hated them the more as the movie progressed. Yeah, yeah and. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was some elements that I liked and like, I liked the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the whole movie critic thing. I kind of liked the little pun kind of thing. And uh, at the beginning I go, wow, um, this guy's getting his ass kissed by everybody. And that's, this must've been what Jason Mann must've thought <laughs> <laughs> on his first night. And, uh, for anyone who doesn't know Jason, man, it's, that's the guy who did project green light, the last project green light. Wait, you're saying this is the unofficial Jason, man, biopic. Yes. Well, you know, I gotta say that I, you know, I, and I hate to say this because, you know, after watching tenant, which is a film that I didn't like at all, or I, mm. I, I hate, I hated that movie really, but I, I hate to say this, but John David Washington is not a great actor. He's he's a good actor. He's a good actor, but he's he's, mm. he's competent. I mean, he was incredible in Black Klansman. I mean, we got to always bring that up, man. He's so good in that movie. Yeah, but he, you know, like he, like he, he could say his lines with conviction, and he could scream and cry when needed. But I never once but I didn't buy him. I, yeah, I never once found him to shaping a character in this in here. It was like I believed he, I I believe he was out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he it's like, it's like he's wearing this character, this Malcolm character, like a suit where he should be living inside the character. But Zendaya, Zendaya, on the other hand, I was very impressed by her performance. Although I do, they're they're both very similar in that that they're you know they're not they're really just imitating emotions here, mm -hmm. and I, I I think she has some ways to go. She's still very young, but yeah. I did she did a be much better job than what John David did. I was I was really impressed with Zendaya's like more kind of dramatic emotional scenes in the movie. I mean, I mean again like that bathtub scene, like she was she was out outstanding in that in mm -hmm. the scene. But whenever she was like delivering dialogue, I didn't, I didn't buy it. But I think a lot of it just had to do with she's miscasting the role. I mean, I don't think this, this is dialogue that she would say, and right. I just don't think she was able to really able to play this character. I don't think she has that much range. I don't think both either of these actors have that much range. At least judging from this movie. I think, you know, she is still, like I said, she is still very young. I think she has some ways to go, but I think she could get there because I really do believe there's a flesh and blood character in there. You know, unlike John uh, uh, David Washington's performance, it's, it feels like he's just like, just give, he just, you know, he, like the script says him to scream. So I'm going to scream. And then the script says, <laughs> I'm going to cry. So I'm going to cry. And it's not like there's no connective tissue there. I think that's what John David Washington is. He's an interpreter. 
And look, that's a valid, you know, uh, a style or that's a valid thing that he could do. But and I'm sure he's going to he'll be he'll be able to play a lot of roles like that. But this and he'll this, also just get better over the years. Yeah. And but this this script needed, you know, this this script was so kind of pretentious and pompous and arrogant mm-hmm. and snooty <laughs> that it needed really uh create they need creative actors to bring something to this to the script because it was lacking and it's it's a tough concept to do a one piece uh, one area you know full movie out of it mm-hmm. on, on on one room situation i'd be i'd be more forgiving of the movie if it, if it was all done in one shot mm-hmm. <laughs> well i i say what's sam i would say this that sam uh levinson, levinson. sam levinson is a uh He's he's a visual storyteller, and I I do like it a little bit. From what I saw of Euphoria, I haven't really seen any much of it. Uh, uh, but the, the, some of the scenes that I've seen from Euphoria, he, he reminds me of a young uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, but without the kind of the the writing abilities, you know. And like mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson is a really great writer, and um, it's very self important. This movie is, and I, 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 I very frustrating. This movie I found. You know, and if you want to watch the uh, a different uh, one room kind of scenario uh, film, watch Tape for Richard Linklater, um, or uh, Death of the Death and the Maiden with Scorny Weaver. That's that's the one that I really love. And I'm sorry, it's by uh, <laughs> it's by uh, Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski, but mm. it's it's a great film. Both of these movies are are talking about something. Those those two movies you mentioned, they're they're mm-hmm. they're, they're talking about you know like uh, both actually both movies are talking about female trauma. But this one does this is this is about a filmmaker who's so like arrogant and so pompous that he's he just he hates critics. And, and like I said, this was this really feels like it was done by an angry rich kid. Yeah. From what I'm getting from this movie, that's what Sam Levinson I is. Say, uh, I would I wouldn't even say um, angry rich kid. I would just say like some you know. Like, like rich preppy asshole. Yeah, okay. Like I was like, I was being kind, but yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say Paul Thomas Anderson. I would, I would say Paul W S Anderson. <laughs> no, well the style the, he uses. Well, he, it's kind of like a bit of like Larry Clark who did Kids mm. and Paul Thomas Anderson, which is a weird combination. But I think that's what Sam Levinson is. He's and also he's not really he's he doesn't live up to the level of of Paul Thomas Anderson. But if he live up to Larry Clark, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. He definitely lives up to Larry Clark. Is so you think the the little bit you've seen of Euphoria is uh, better than Kids? It's just this, it's probably the same level. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's the same level. It's very exploitive. Right. You know, it's it's very from what I saw, it's very graphic and it's dealing with uh, this, you know, teenage sex and drugs and all that stuff, which is very much like Clark in his career, but it's also done very flashy in a, in a, in the style of like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson. Are you gonna rate this or what? Yeah, let's rate this. Um, Raymond, what, what do you give this? I I, I want to give it like a like a four out of ten or like a three out of ten, but the movie really is so beautiful, <laughs> like the cinematography yeah, of it. Yeah. So I know I, I know this is probably re- really high, and, and maybe my score will probably be lower over time. It probably will, but I, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Hmm. That's wow. pretty good for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't recommend it though. <laughs> it's just it's it's just so it's just so good looking, so well made. Hmm. It's just yeah. empty. I I I, I which agree. Is important, but I agree. I think the the real star of this movie is the cinematographer. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really really nice. R- R- Rich, what's she going to give this? Yeah, I'll probably give it a, a C minus. 
D plus. Yeah. How many stars uh, out of five? Let's let's just give it a happy three. Really, three stars or two and a half? I mean, I love to do two two point seven five, but they don't have two point seven five. You could just I mean, do like two. Yeah, two and a half is fine. Yeah, two and a half then. And that's what I was gonna give it. I was gonna give this a two and a half stars uh, out of five using the letterbox uh, rating. We're all in the same ballpark. Yeah, there there was some good acting pieces in it, but but yeah, the the, the script needed more. Yeah, something sure needed it, something, <laughs> something to make a make us care for the, the, the for the characters, and it didn't. I know, man. I I really hate, started to dislike Zendaya's character more and yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Like what was it revealed about the fight and stuff? Like, yeah, because I was re- I really liked her character like in the beginning, like the first half of the movie and stuff, and then mm-hmm. and then by the end, I was like, I just hate both of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was our review of uh, Malcolm and Marie, a, a Netflix original film that's uh, available now. Mm-hmm. Um, Raymond, this is Super yeah. Bowl weekend. What's your favorite football movie? Uh, favorite football movie? I don't know, Rudy? Hmm. Oh. Yes. Let me look up football movies. Any given Sunday? No, not that one. Mm, the The Friday Night Lights? No. What's your favorite uh, football movie, Rich? I would probably oh, go say Rudy Dawson. Oh. No, I got it. I got mine is uh, Ace Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Dolphins? <laughs> yep. Great movie. <laughs> uh, and, and Rich, you going to say Rudy? Yeah, I'll say Rudy. My favorite football movie of all time has got to be, it's it's always, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies of uh, growing up. Oh, it's Necessary ne- Roughness. Necessary yes. Roughness. You got to do it like a Gennaro to play football. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Put a spig in that fat Buddha. Uh, I thought your favorite movie was, uh, your favorite football movie was The Blind Side. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, all right, so that was our favorite football movies. All right, so that was it for this episode of Inside Flicks. Uh, Rich, if people want to listen to our past episodes, where can they find that? Uh, they can find us on InsideFlicks.com or just ask Alexa or Google. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. We'll be back next week with a new episode. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh-